0: Hello and welcome to Controversies in Church History, the podcast that takes you into all the most important, impactful, but controversial events in the history of the Roman Catholic Church. Hello and welcome. Uh, My name is Derek Taylor, your host for this podcast. Thank you uh, once again to all my listeners. I seem to have a lot of new listeners recently. I've been doing some advertising on Facebook and that's probably why this is your first time listening. Welcome. You can find Controversies in Church History on various platforms, Facebook, uh, YouTube, as well as Spotify for podcasters, and I'm my host for the podcast, um, Twitter, uh, and on Patreon, if you would like to become a patron of the podcast and help out uh, and defray some costs for uh, for what I do here, uh, please uh, think about doing that, um, but uh, also available on pretty much any other platform you can think of, Apple Podcasts, and so on and so forth. Uh, now... So, uh, this is a short, brief episode. I thought I'd drop this one for our general listeners. That is on my mind for the last few weeks. And if you pay attention to the news, there's been a big row recently over the comments of Cardinal Robert McElroy. Cardinal Robert McElroy, the uh, Cardinal Bishop of San Diego, Diego, uh, a protege of Pope Francis, has been making the arguments from the early part of the year in America magazine, America is the Jesuit magazine in the United States. <coughs> Excuse me. And um, basically trying to make the argument that, uh, well, for what he calls radical inclusion. And if you if you followed this, you know what this is. This is a, basically an attempt to basically, in practice, undermine the church's teaching that um, both homosexual acts But sexual acts outside of marriage, pardon me. (laughs) I forgot how to speak when I started doing this. Um, Sexual acts outside of marriage are sinful. And uh, a lot of people have have jumped on this. I won't, there are plenty of people better at the theology than than me. One of the things I want to point out is he gave an interview a few weeks ago, another one, as a response to critics. And... One of the things that he, one of his, he's got several arguments. None of them, uh, I think, are very good. But one of them in particular is my expertise. He basically says that um, the church did not teach until the 17th century. I'll read the actual paragraph here. Did not teach that uh, sexual sins outside of marriage are basically automatically wrong. Let me read the passage from his, this is March 7th, I believe. Excuse me, March 2nd, excuse me responding to critics, and this is the paragraph that, that caught my eye. For most of the history of the Church, this is, says Cardinal McElroy, various gradations of objective wrong in the evaluation of sexual sins were present in the life of the Church, but in the 17th century, with the inclusion in Catholic teaching of the declaration that for all sexual sins there is no parvity of matter, i.e. no circumstances can mitigate the grave evil of, sexual, of a sexual sin. We relegated the sins of sexuality to an ambit in which no other broad type of sin is so absolutely categorized. He goes down and doubles down on this a few lines later. Um, It is precisely this change, quote, it is precisely this change in Catholic doctrine made in the 17th century that is the foundation for categorically barring LGBT and divorce from married Catholics from the Eucharist. Does the tradition that all sexual sins are objectively mortal mortal, make sense within the universe of Catholic moral teaching, unquote. Now several people have have pounced on this, and rightfully so. Um, there's a good article doing this in uh, Catholic World Report by Larry Shap. He's a theologian. He takes he takes a, a he gives him a beating that he deserves for for this stuff because this is really, really. I I, I don't think again. I don't like to accuse people of dishonesty, but I think he's out and not just lying. Uh, McElroy seems like an educated person. This is not true. Um, there are lots of things here. I need to point this out. I'm, I'm going to go a little into detail about his historical strategy here, but the church had always, always thought that sins were really serious and that some of them were just intrinsically wrong no matter what you do. Um, Chap in his essay mentions Aquinas, Augustine, their other church fathers. <clears throat> Maybe it wasn't unanimous everywhere every single minute um, prior to the 17th century, but it was pretty, it's a pretty good. Um, consensus, I'm imagining, and to give you an idea, again, one of the things you have to understand about all of this, when we say, you know, um, these things are objective sins, you have to understand that the early church definitely had a sort of perfect, moral perfectionist view on things like sexuality. That is to say, they thought you could, perf- you could you could be perfectly sexually continent. There was this idea current in the fourth century, um, shared by um, Pope Siricius. It was a pope in the three nineties. Um, well as Jerome, St. Jerome, that the idea that there was, in the Old Testament, there was partial virginity and continence, but is fulfilled in the New Testament with perfect continence. And so there's an expectation that all serious Christians should seek or at least desire perfect sexual continence. Of their words, they took literally <laughs> the words of Christ in the gospel, be therefore perfect, and literally the words that, of course, if you you know, you even think about committing adultery with someone you've already done it. In other words, they recognize that the New Testament has a, has a sort of ratcheting up of the standards for sexual morality. And not only that, there is a positive element of this. Again, this is where this is where mon- uh, monasteries come from. There is this, you know, move to abandon the world and go out into you know into monastic communities, partly because people want to pursue what. Um, origin called the angelic life but why and this is the this is the thing here is that and again this goes back to again Christ's words in the gospel if you recall none of this is in Matthew and Mark but his interchange with the Sadducees you know the woman had seven husbands and you know which one will be her husband in the afterlife remember what Christ says is you know uh, you, you don't know what you're talking about you don't know the scriptures the power of God because in heaven they neither marry nor are given in marriage but are like the angels in heaven. That's where the idea, that's where the, the term, that's where origin got that phrase from, the angelic life, I presume, uh, talk, referring to monasticism. That means that our ultimate eternal destiny is not sexual. Nobody's going to be getting, you know, nobody's going to be having sexual intimacy <laughs> in the afterlife for all of eternity. So there'd be no point to all this. That's the point, by the way, of all that massive emphasis on continents. <clears throat> Now, of course, again, historically speaking, the the great zeal of the early church wanes, right? Especially when it moves from the Roman Empire out into northern Europe. And at various times and various places, yeah, the church has been in practice. Yeah, of course, they don't expect every single person to be a saint. Most, the vast majority of people who ever lived and ever will live are not going to be achieving perfect continence or being that sort of perfect uh, chastity. That uh, that still is, I think, the idea for all Christians. Um, but that they took it deadly seriously. Again, you, you, people debate about this because you know the sources are kind of sketchy. <clears throat> if you don't know um, the idea that you know you you do um, you do penance, right? You go to confession. You uh, you know, cite out a list of of uh, sins. Uh, is thought to have originated in the sixth century in Ireland, um, because you had these you know monasteries there. These um, Celtic um, um, monastic missionary type uh, orders there, and they wrote these books uh, for people in mission territory that like people that were new to the teachings of the church. They were called penitentials. We have these books, and they they list a laundry list of uh, offenses treated that are sinful. And all, I won't go into, I guess maybe I will. They mention all sorts of sexual things in there. Uh, I won't go into them, but pretty much anything you can think of is basically condemned as a sin there. And um, even, of course, within marriage, uh, certain types of sexual, I won't go into it, certain types of sexual acts are even a sinful there. And again, we're talking, I'm talking about practice here, because no one's ever doubted that was the church's teaching, if you mean in 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 principle. And I say this to go back to McElroy's uh, response here. You know when he says this that um, uh, the sleight of hand. I really hate this. Uh, the way people do this. Where is this at? We find the actual, <clears throat> actual. Um, yeah. So this is his paragraph here where he says, "Well, this, uh, but in the 17th century, with the inclusion in Catholic teaching of the declaration that for all sexual sins there is no poverty of matter." Um, and you see what he's doing there is basically he's saying that, well, because there was this formal declar- because there was no formal declaration that this was the case before the 17th century, it had never been a teaching before then. And it's this very, 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 I, I just think it's dishonest, sleight of hand. Um, the church doesn't have to, it doesn't have to spell things out in a dogmatic definition. doesn't normally do so until it's been challenged. That's why there are so few until you get to the modern era, and I think we have to, probably too many. But, um, but I mean, here and here, that's a real, really devious sleight of hand. And uh, again, if you don't know the history of this stuff, and again, I'm not an expert, but I know to know that he, he clearly is trying to blur the line between uh, practice and uh, faith itself and saying, hey, we made these changes in the past, uh, you know, therefore we can change it again now. And it's just not the case. I mean, he's just being, you know, he's just being kind of dishonest about it. And I hate to say that, um, but he, you know, I I just, I can't see anybody doesn't know that this isn't, that this isn't the teaching, that it isn't the, um, the core of it this way. And this is, again, part of his, you know, this is part of his, and again, he mentions this in that, you know, in that other paragraph. It is precisely this change in Catholic doctrine made in the 17th century that is the foundation for categorically barring LGBT and divorce from married Catholics from the Eucharist. Uh, this whole idea, by the way, uh, again, uh, this introducing, you know, the, the term LGBT into Catholic discourse like this. Again, as I just mentioned, it's totally opposed to what the faith teaches. Again, your ultimate I, this idea, this idea, by the way, that your that your sexual sexuality is the core of your identity, uh, when again our destiny is to be with God for all of eternity, where we're never having sex again, right? We don't need to reproduce in heaven, and all the intimacy, all the and of course, sexuality is you know has to do with intimacy. All that will be come from God Himself, as far as I understand this in uh, in the afterlife. And so all of this is just, again, you knew this. If you're listening to this podcast, you probably know all this. But it's something to note here, <clears throat> the sleight of hand. This It's a common sort of trope, rhetorical trope, where they they seize upon this. Again, I have no idea. He doesn't give any specific examples when he says this declaration. I'm assuming he's referring to some sort of document. Um, Larry Schaap in his essay thinks he's referring to Jesuit uh, moral casuistry in the 17th century, which presumably I think he's talking about, uh, the change, the criticisms from the Jansenists. And I actually have a podcast on the Jansenists. Uh, it was kind of popular too, people liked it. Um, so, and um, they're the ones that criticized heavily uh, a lot of Jesuit casuistry as excusing uh, sexual sin and they changed it. And I think that's maybe what he's referring to there. But in no way, shape, or form, no way shape or form in principle has the church ever affirmed what he's affirming. Uh, in practice, again, they've tolerated things. Uh, I may actually do an episode on this at some point. Again, I mentioned, you know, when Christianity, Western Christianity left the Roman empire uh, in particular in the days, for example, of Charlemagne, where you had this, you know, this idea of um, um, perfect continents and everything, emphasis on celibacy right that was a that was a thing that was a uh, that's been a tradition uh, in Rome since the 4th century this is kind of lost and so there's a you know widespread clerical marriage um, you know those sorts of excesses. They they curb them over time. Eventually, the Gregorian reformers actually undo this. But even in in marriage in general, because you have people like Charlemagne, right, who's essentially a warlord, uh, he's got multiple wives, and so you have these periods where it's just not possible for the church to enforce in a lot of ways its dogmas and everything. But no one has ever, in principle, said, Yeah, yeah, it's okay. You can have several wives. Yeah, it's okay. Um, that that that'll that'll work that way. And um, this is a fairly common tactic of of people like of, of Cardinal McElroy's ilk. Um, but you should not be fooled by his history, which, as Shaff mentions, is dubious, dubious history. It's not real. It's, it, he's just throwing it out there and trying to fool people. So I thought I would um, make a little short episode and just remind everybody the specifics of why this is baloney and why you shouldn't listen to it. So... Uh, that's all for this episode a couple other things about upcoming episodes Uh, a couple should be later in the week um one i happen to have a book review a very interesting one um on the uh well we'll get to it uh, in a few days but and as well the second episode of the uh series on latinization is also coming so and those will both be for subscribers to begin with so if you want to get early access go to patreon page and become a patron not that expensive but otherwise be uh, a few weeks for those, those drop for y'all. But anyway, any case, uh, that's what's upcoming. Uh, Thank you guys for listening. If you, again, like this, go to the uh, website. I have a website, I forgot my website, churchcontroversy.com. I have, you know, um, blog posts there and everything else. There's some other little stuff coming in the future Uh, from that, uh, uh, from that website, you know, Facebook, go like the Facebook page, go please subscribe on YouTube. I'm trying to monetize the channel need more subscribers so go do that if you like if you like the podcast in general uh please follow me on spotify or apple podcast please leave messages and comments i try to get back to them some of some people i haven't gotten back to yet um i have some people just leave nasty messages on my <laughs> on my facebook page sometimes i don't respond to those but any any constructive things i'll, I'll definitely respond to uh, if you have them um yeah go to spotify please tell people about the podcast that's the big thing i'm trying to get the word out and trying to advertise a little more may take out a few more ads here um in the next month in some other catholic spaces try to get the try to get the word out so in any case thank you everyone for listening as always god bless you Keep you in my prayers have a great week